You're listening to A Sure Hope with Pastor Dave Shank of Calvary Chapel, Cape May in Cape May, New Jersey. Join us as Pastor Dave teaches verse by verse through God's Word. It's going to be me in a different form. Why? Because Jesus knows that we can never make it apart from the Holy Spirit. Jesus knows that we cannot make it on our own. In fact, in verse 15, 5, he said, without me, you can do nothing. He knows that. He knows that we're helpless. May I ask a question? If Jesus knew that we were helpless without the Holy Spirit, if he'd given us the Holy Spirit, why do so many of us try without the Holy Spirit. Jesus knew his followers would be helpless without the Holy Spirit. In today's message, Pastor Dave asks, why do so many of us try to do life without the Holy Spirit? How often do you make choices without seeking the Spirit's direction? When you share the good news with others, do you ask that he go before you? Now here's Pastor Dave in the book of John chapter 15 as he begins his message, Responsibility to Rejection. Open your Bibles to John 15. John 15. We're going to be looking at the last two verses in John 15 and the first four verses in John 16. The Gospel of John, chapter 15. We are looking at verses 26 through 27 and in 16, verses 1 through 4, which is where we'll be today. John 15, beginning in verse 26, Jesus is speaking. But when the helper comes, whom I shall send to you from the Father, the spirit of truth who proceeds from the Father, he will testify of me. And you also will bear witness because you have been with me from the beginning. These things I have spoken to you that you should not be made to stumble. They will put you out of the synagogues. Yes, the time is coming that whoever kills you will think that he offers God service. And these things they will do to you because they have not known the Father nor me. But these things I have told you that when the time comes, you may remember that I told you of them. And these things I did not say to you at the beginning because I was with you. So my question for the day is you as a disciple... Did you know that Jesus Christ has been given us various responsibilities? Being a disciple of Christ comes with responsibilities. A responsibility is simply a duty or an obligation to satisfactorily perform or complete a task. It is a task that is assigned to us by someone. Jesus has given his disciples certain duties to perform. He's given us also certain responsibilities. And as you read through the four Gospels and you read Jesus' words, you come across a lot of these responsibilities. And just a few of them would seem like to believe in him for salvation. That's a responsibility. To love God with everything we have. To love one another as he loved us. To wash each other's feet. 
to feed his sheep, to pick up our cross daily, to follow him. And there are so many more responsibilities that we as disciples have. But I think that of all the responsibilities that disciples have, I believe that the biggest responsibility can be found in Matthew 28. At the end of Matthew 28, Jesus says these words beginning in Matthew 28, 18. And Jesus came and spoke to them saying, all authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. Go therefore, make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all things that I have commanded you. And lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. We know this as the Great Commission. The Great Commission of Jesus Christ where he tells his disciples and he tells us to go forward, to move forward, to take the gospel message out, to show the love, his love to other people. Why? Well, Scripture tells us that God is not willing that any should perish. Scripture tells us that God wants all to come to repentance. Scripture tells us that because God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. Jesus calls us into this service and gives us this amazing responsibility. Paul says in Romans, how can they believe if they haven't heard? And how can they hear unless someone tell them? And how can someone tell them unless they be a preacher? And how can they preach unless they be sent? One commentator I read said this, quote, those who have heard and received the message of salvation through Jesus Christ thus become debtors to share the message with the world. We are debtors because of what Christ has done for us. Then we have a responsibility then to share God's love with a dying world. And as we studied last week, Jesus is telling the disciples that, hey, guys, it's going to be rough. It's going to be a little tough. I'm leaving. And you're going to take the gospel into the world. But because the world hated me, the world's going to hate you too. The world's going to persecute you. And for the most part, the world is not going to receive your words. The world is not going to accept you. In fact, they're going to reject you totally. Why? Because the servant is not greater than the Lord. He's not greater than the master. If they hated me, they'll hate you. And we said as we studied this, this wasn't real, real good news. This wasn't something that we'd like to see. It wasn't something that we'd like to dwell on. But here it is in print. And as we go through the Bible line by line, we have to come across these scriptures that may be difficult for us to hear. Jesus had been laying a lot on his disciples ever since the supper. He has been pouring out his heart onto his disciples and the disciples' hearts were getting heavy. Disciples' hearts were troubled. They were afraid. They were confused. They were scared. They didn't know what their future was going to look like without Jesus Christ. How will they function in a world that hates them? Now, as we come to this week's scriptures, Jesus wants to encourage the disciples that they're not going to be left alone. He's not going to leave them as orphans. And he again promises them the Holy Spirit, the Spirit of truth. And when the Spirit of truth comes, he will testify of Jesus. And then he gives the disciples this most crucial responsibility. You will also bear witness of me. 
you, disciple, will bear witness of me. Then he goes on to promise rejection of the world. And he finally finishes up by encouraging them and says that, hey, when you're in the middle of persecution, when you're in the middle of being just hated, bring forth remembrance of what I'm telling you now. Bring forth my words to you, and this would give you solace. So as we begin, let's look at verses 26 and 27. But when the helper comes, whom I shall send to you from the Father, the Spirit of truth who proceeds from the Father, he will testify of me. Now this is the third time that Jesus has mentioned the Holy Spirit. He's building up to this mentioning of the Holy Spirit. The comforter, the helper, the paracletus in Greek, the one who will come alongside. That's what it means. He's telling his disciples, hey, guys, you don't have to go it alone. You don't have to go it alone. I'm sending someone who will be right there beside you, someone just like me. It's going to be me in a different form. Why? Because Jesus knows that we can never make it apart from the Holy Spirit. Jesus knows that we cannot make it on our own. In fact, in verse 15, 5, he said, without me, you can do nothing. He knows that. He knows that we're helpless. May I ask a question? If Jesus knew that we were helpless without the Holy Spirit, if he'd given us the Holy Spirit, why do so many of us try without the Holy Spirit? Why do so many of us try to live the Christian life without the Holy Spirit leading and guiding us? But as I said, this is the third mention of the helper, the comforter. In 1416, he said that he would pray to the Father and he would give them another helper to abide in them forever. And remember, we said the word for another is allos, someone just like him. In 1426, he says, but the helper, which is the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send to you, he will teach you all things and bring all things into remembrance, as I've said to you. But in this verse... Jesus is saying that the helper who is mentioned, and he's mentioning the helper in the context of sharing the truth of Jesus Christ with a hostile world and the reaction of the world will have towards you. Why is all this happening? Jesus wants his disciples not to be afraid of that hatred that the world's going to bring against them. He doesn't want his disciples to be afraid of the persecution that is to come. So he's sending them the paracletus, the one who will come alongside, the helper, the comforter, the one who will give them that dynamic power to live for Jesus, to witness for Jesus, to be witnesses. Jesus knew that the disciples would need the presence of the Holy Spirit. He knows that we need the presence of the Holy Spirit in our lives. He knows that the disciples needed to depend upon the Holy Spirit to guide and lead them into the truth, to conform them into the image of Jesus Christ, to do the things that they needed to do. Likewise, he knows we too need the Holy Spirit to live the Christian life the way it's supposed to be lived. We need the Spirit of God in us and on us. They're going to face much opposition. The opposition is going to be great, and we're going to talk about that in a minute. So he knows that they need the Holy Spirit. He says, the Holy Spirit will testify of me. Everything the Holy Spirit does is consistent with the testimony and nature of Jesus. His job is to tell us, to show us who Jesus is. If spiritual things happen that are not consistent with the nature of Jesus, it is not the Holy Spirit. Did you hear that? 
If spiritual things happen that are not consistent with the nature of Jesus, it is not the Holy Spirit that is doing it. The Holy Spirit is the one who will testify of Jesus in all that he does. Then Jesus ups the ante again. And he says, and you will be my witnesses. And here is the main responsibility, I believe, of a disciple. Being a witness for Jesus. Fulfilling the great commission. And as I thought about this, it came to me that one of the most outstanding historical aspects of early Christianity is the the pivotal role that these men played in sharing the gospel. Within their lifetimes, they had taken the teachings of Jesus to the four corners of the world. They converted tens of thousands, if not more, people to Christianity. Remember what it said in Acts? They turned the world upside down. These guys. It's amazing when you think about these men, as we thought about them before. They were not well-educated. They didn't possess great speaking abilities. It's incredible to acknowledge that just how confused they were when Jesus was telling them all this and how cowardly they acted at the crucifixion. But something happened to them. Something happened to them. Something that Jesus said would happen to them. Something happened to them. What was responsible for their transformation? What was responsible for their success? Well, you can trace the change back to the Holy Spirit in their lives. You can trace that change back to the Holy Spirit in their lives. It was the Holy Spirit. And although they received the Holy Spirit when Jesus breathed on them in John 22, the dynamic power of the Holy Spirit to be witnesses came to them at Pentecost. When they were gathered in the upper room, And the Holy Spirit came upon them with power, the dunamis power, dynamite power. The Holy Spirit will be with them, in them, and upon them, so they won't stumble when the persecution comes, Jesus is saying. They will be his witnesses. You know what's really interesting? The word witness. The word witness in Greek is martyreo. That's where we get our word martyr. It's where we get our word martyr. So to be a witness for Jesus Christ is the word martyr. Think about that. Has a little different meaning for you and I, right? But you will be my witnesses because you have been with me from the beginning. You know, I go back here all the time, and and you'll have to excuse me, but I love what John says in his first epistle about being with Jesus in the beginning. I just love it because it's so personal. It's so true. And we can have that same thing. John says in 1 John 1, that which was from the beginning, he's talking about Jesus now, which we heard, which we've seen with our eyes, which we've looked upon and our hands have handled concerning the word of life. The life was manifested, and we have seen and bear witness and declare to you that eternal life, which was with the Father, was manifested to us. That which we have seen and heard, we declare to you that you also may have fellowship with us, and truly our fellowship is with the Father and with his Son, Jesus Christ. And these things we write to you, that your joy may be full." Look at five. This is the message which we have heard from him and declare to you that God is light and in him is no darkness at all. I love that. I just really, 
I, I get a sense of closeness from that. I get a sense of, of intimacy from that. When John's telling you, listen, guys, we were with him. We got to touch him. We got to hear him speak. We, we got to sit with him. We knew him. We were with him for three long years. We've heard it from the beginning. We were one of the first ones called. We were with him. So now I'm explaining it to you. And I'm telling you, this is not some fairy tale. This is, this is real. This is true. John is saying, I was there. I saw it. I just love that about John. And now John is carrying out the Great Commission by writing this letter. I want to tell you about him. I want to tell you about the light that has come in the world to cover the darkness, but the darkness didn't comprehend it. I want to tell you about that. This light that came in the world was Jesus Christ. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. And the word became flesh and dwelt among us. He's talking about Jesus Christ. What a wonderful testimony here. Jesus says, your responsibility is to be my witness. I want you guys to be witness. And oh, by the way, you're going to be rejected. Huh? Look at chapter 16, verses 1 through 3. These things I have spoken to you that you should not be made to stumble. They will put you out of the synagogues. Yes, the time is coming that whoever kills you will think that he offers God service. And these things they do, they will do to you because they have not known the Father nor me. These things I have spoken to you. What things? Well, you're going to be hated by the world. You're going to be persecuted. Why did he tell them these things? So they wouldn't stumble when it came upon them. So they wouldn't fall and be offended when it happened to them. He didn't want them to be caught off guard. For the most part, the disciples are still expecting the kingdom to be set up at any moment. They're still living in la-la land. They don't really realize what's going to happen. They think that Jesus is going to set up his kingdom. And they're still arguing about positions of glory. I'm better than you. M not. M two. Nuh-uh. uh They're arguing. They're, 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 they're acting like crazy kids. Basically, Jesus is telling the disciples that, hey, the road's going to lead to glory, gang. But it's not going to be a glory road. The road is going to lead to glory, but it's not going to be a road. You're going to be persecuted. You're going to be hated. You're not going to be honored and loved. You know what's sad is many of us have a false expectation of the Christian life. We are living in a world that is in rebellion to God. Men have chosen the life of flesh over a life of God. Just look at the political arena. Just look what's happening in the political arena itself. People who are vying for power and control over this great nation of ours. A lot of them think that what is evil is good and what is good is evil. Just think of what's happening. Somehow we still get shocked when we hear of these evil things, when man makes a deliberate choice. And somehow we feel that given a choice of good and evil, just like in the cartoons, Man always chooses good, but that is not scriptural. That is not scriptural. Even Jesus said, men love darkness. Why? Because light exposes their sin. Even Jesus knew that, that men loved darkness. Here we are back to don't stumble. And this is a different word. This is called scandalathron. It means not a stumbling which might trip you up, but a spring of a trap that might catch you off guard. That's what he's talking about here. Jesus is warning his disciples of the coming oppression because he didn't want them to be surprised when it happened. He knew they would not immediately leave the synagogues. Read the book of Acts. Where did they go to worship? The synagogues. 
They always went to the synagogue. Even Paul went to the synagogue first. He knew they wouldn't leave on their own, but he knew they would be thrown out. He knew that they would be forced to leave. But the Holy Spirit witnesses to us and through us during these times of persecution. The Spirit testifies of Jesus Christ. The Spirit brings to our minds that we are experiencing the sufferings of Christ. We talked about this before in Philippians when it says the power of his resurrection. Yo! And the sufferings of his fellowship, the fellowship of his sufferings. And nobody wants that. It's part of the Christian life. Part of the Christian life. There's no reason for us or any disciple to be stumbled during the times of persecution, even when the fire is turned up. In fact, Jesus is telling these guys that they should expect persecution. The Lord said, it'll come. Interesting statement here is the one that says they think they will be serving God. They think they will be serving God. And when they kill you, I love that. When they kill you, they think they'll be serving God. Isn't this the epitome of what the Apostle Paul did before he became the Apostle Paul? He was, thinks he was serving God by killing Christians and taking them up to Jerusalem. He thought he was serving God. He said, these people will persecute you they, they, because they don't know the Father and they don't know me. These things I said to you, they will do this. Notice he says, they will do this, not that they might happen. And truly, what things happen? Does anybody know the life ending of the apostles? What things happen to them as Jesus is talking to these 11 guys? Well, if you look at the book of Acts, it starts with Stephen. Stephen was stoned to death. He became the first martyr. King Agrippa has James, the brother of John, beheaded. Paul was scourged, thrown in the prison, and afterwards crucified. Matthew took the gospel to Parthia and Ethiopia, where he was killed. James, the brother of Jesus, who wrote the epistle, was beaten and stoned by the Jews. Matthias, remember him? He was stoned at Jerusalem and then beheaded. Andrew was crucified on a cross. Mark was dragged to pieces by the people of Alexandria. Peter was condemned to death and crucified, according to some of the early writings at Rome. We know that Peter requested to be crucified upside down, according to, to tradition. Paul was beheaded. Jude was crucified. Bartholomew carried the gospel to India, where he was killed. Thomas carried the gospel to Parthia and India, where he was killed. Luke was hanged on an olive tree. Simon the Zealot was crucified. You get the picture of what happened to these guys? Nowhere in any of the epistles or gospels or any of the writings do you ever hear of any of these men denouncing or recanting their faith in Jesus Christ. Not one of them do you hear it. Even the Apostle John. The Apostle John was thrown into a big pot of oil. They tried to boil him to death. Somehow he escaped by a miracle, but then they banished him to the island of Patmos, praise God, which is where he got the revelation and wrote the book of Revelation. All of them suffered persecution. All of them suffered hatred. All of them suffered death because of their faith in Jesus Christ. Why will they do these things? Why will they do those things to us? Because they don't know the Father and they don't know Jesus Christ. You are a We'd love to keep studying the Word of God with you again next time on Assure Hope. In the meantime, we invite you to learn more about this program by visiting our website, assurehoperadio.com. 
There, you'll find our archive of previous messages from Pastor Dave Shank, available to listen to, download, or even share with your friends and family, all free of charge. Just look under the Messages tab. You can listen to additional teachings from this series in John or jump to another book of the Bible. Each book gives some useful insight into God's plan for you and the world you live in. We trust that A Sure Hope is an encouraging program for you. And if you're without a church family, we'd love for you to join us. If you happen to be in the Cape May area, we'd love to meet you in person for a time of worship and Bible study right here at Calvary Chapel, Cape May. We meet weekly on Sunday at 10 a.m. And you can find all the information you need by visiting assurehoperadio.com. If you live further away or are unable to come in person, we understand. And we'd still love for you to be a part of our church family virtually. You can join us for church online through Facebook Live and on YouTube. Just follow the links that are available at assurehoperadio.com. And don't forget to like and subscribe to keep up to date with the latest information. That's all the time we have for today. Thanks for joining us for this edition of Assure Hope.